Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. A little later, WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey will talk about all the rain. Will that trend continue? What are the long-term effects of the flooding? And Severe Weather Awareness Week starts this coming Friday, March 1st. Are you ready for that? That's a little later, but first, a reason to think about the spring and the summer to come. Keeneland is ramping up for its spring meet by hiring and getting things in order. The famous track in our region has also announced it will be the venue for a major music and bourbon festival this summer to be called Railbird. And the issue of sports betting is under serious consideration in Frankfurt. How is the horse industry positioning itself with lawmakers to be sure racing is protected? Vince Gabbert, Keeneland's vice president and chief operating officer, is joining us this morning. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. You know, uh, let's start with this weather situation, <laughs> which just cannot be ignored. I yeah. mean, that's, we're, we're all uh, dealing with that and the, the high water and the, the, and the flooding and so forth. Uh, are you having issues at Keeneland? Uh, we have. You know, we've seen water in places that we rarely see it if ever uh, we had a had a small issue earlier in the year um, with a little bit of drainage some stuff on our track so we've had to do some remediation on our end to make sure that the the training track is secure and all the things that we need to do on that side so it, it's definitely been an issue for us have you seen the water places where you haven't before oh, it's, it's crazy even this week I mean with the with the amount of rain that we had uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday morning uh, places that usually don't hold water and, and it pool we're, we're standing throughout the grounds will that be a considerable expense or effort to try to, uh, to remediate things? Yeah, our, our maintenance team stays on top of most of that, so most of it has been cleaned up, but it's just, it, it takes away from their efforts and in, in doing their day-to-day -day work when they have to go and, and do those sorts of things. I'm sure like the rest of us, you hope that uh, it's it kind of gets out of the system it, before the spring meet. That's right, right that's <laughs> right. Well, let's talk about this. So you announced this week a Railbird, a music festival is uh, coming to Keeneland in August. Um, First of all, how long has that been in the works? We've been working on it about for about 18 months. Uh, it's a it's been a long process, and we wanted to make sure that it was the right fit and the right decision for us because it is a little bit outside of our norm. It's not something that we do uh, on a regular basis, so we wanted to make sure that we could provide a good experience. And we feel like we found a great partner in AC Entertainment, a group based out of Knoxville uh, that does Bonnaroo and Forecastle uh, up in Louisville as well. And and we felt like a, they were a really good fit for what we were trying to to do and the the type of music and and the type of festival we want to offer. I would think that uh, with all the traditions and the, uh, the very prestigious brand that mm -hmm. Keeneland uh, wouldn't make a decision like this very lightly. No, it was. It took a lot of thought and discussion. Uh, we wanted to make sure that it was right and, and it, again, like anything that we do out there, we want to make sure it's the right experience and we felt like that we were in a spot and found the right partner to be able to offer that good experience. What is the strategy for Keeneland in, in making this uh, accommodation? You know, every, every sporting venue is trying to find ways to engage fans on a more year-round basis and we're fortunate with our sales and racing product that we've got you know four months that are that are just very solid and, and that we work from uh, but we've increased our special events we host a uh, you know nearly 60 weddings on an annual basis out there that people book um, all kinds of different receptions and parties and things that we do for charitable uh, entities and nonprofits and and we felt like that this was just another way to engage our fans and expose people that may not be familiar with Keeneland uh, in a different genre in a different venue uh, to be able to expose them to our racing product. 
the term railbird comes from those who uh, ride the rail at yeah. races, right? Is yeah. that what it's so, But right? it's also, yeah. it also uh, we've, as we found out when we got into this, it applies to concert goers as well. So they call people that are close to the stage railbirds uh, in the concert business. I know you're uh, holding back on announcing until uh, you have all of the, the acts uh, cleared and, and that. But give us an idea of what uh, you anticipate the kind of music will be mm -hmm. and what uh, this festival will, will be like. Yeah, m most people probably term it as Americana. I, I call it more outlaw country. I'm, I'm a personal fan of that type of music, mm -hmm. so, I, so I enjoy it. Uh, but it'll be that it'll be that ilk. Uh, but it'll be uh, two stages, uh, two days, August 10th and 11th. Uh, we'll actually announce the lineup on March 25th, uh, so we'll have that ready to go in a, in a few weeks. Uh, but it will be, uh, we, we hope the weather will be great, but it'll be two days of, of great music, uh, lots of bourbon and local brewery uh, activations as well. So it'll be, we, we're looking, very much looking forward to it. You know, it it's said to be a, a music bourbon horse racing mm -hmm. festival. How will you integrate all those things? Well, we're fortunate. The, the area that we're going to use is what we call the hill uh, and up around our entertainment center there at Keeneland. So we're going we're gonna to activate that, that part of campus, essentially. Uh, but we've been working with the distilleries to have uh, some bourbon activations and have that available to people. We've been working with the local breweries as well uh, to, in conjunction with the Brewgrass Trail uh, and those sorts of things. And we're lucky that some of the best tracks outside of Keeneland that are running that time of year, Saratoga and Del Mar, will both be running live. So we'll have wagering available and be able to educate people on betting and, and those sorts of you things. You can do uh, some, some, maybe some simulcasting yes, as, as yes, well, put yes, those on the sure big track. Uh, when do we expect to hear more about I, that? I think uh, probably March 25th will be the next big time frame. So we'll have the lineup set uh, and make those announcements on the 25th of March and, and then we'll be rolling out the different uh, sponsors and partners that we have for the activation piece of it uh, throughout the summer. All right, so that'll be the summer again uh, in August, but let's talk about the spring meet. It'll be here yeah. before you know well. it. Uh, you know, we, we make note that uh, the Pegasus pins are already out <laughs> over, so we're, we're rolling toward the Derby. Uh, are you, uh, first of all, you're already starting to hire. We right? are. Uh, you know, one of the things people don't realize is we hire about 2,000 people for each of our race meets. So we, we have 200 full-time employees, but we ramp up and have 2,000 employees there during the race meeting uh, so and we actually open on a Thursday this time so we're picking up an extra day and open on Thursday April the 4th uh, so that's a, another new thing for us we're going to go with a later post time uh, but we're hosting also hosting Thursday Night Live so that'll be the kickoff uh, for the Thursday Night Live downtown and we're actually going to host it for the very first one that night uh, on on April the 4th I didn't realize that so that's uh, that is news so it is. Uh, starting uh, one day earlier we, one day yeah. earlier and the reason we did it uh, we're always closed for Easter and mm -hmm. the three out of the next four years, uh, Easter falls within the spring meet. And so we want to be able to offer our fans a little bit more. And we felt like that being able to open on that Thursday would provide would provide them with that. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the jobs that, uh, that are available out there. First of all, do you have some workers who come back year to year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We have people that we have some some of our seasonal workers that take their vacations and and just to work the three weeks at Keeneland, both in the spring and the fall. So they use their vacation time from their other jobs uh, to come work with us. Get double pay. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, and you have a job fair that we, will be coming up soon. We do. So our, so our hiring center opens up on February 25th, and then our job fair is on March the 9th, and we'll be ramping up and hiring for, for everything, uh, from building services to hospitality, concession workers, uh, waiters and waitresses, uh, all, uh, just everything across the board. What kind of employees do you try to find at Keeneland? 
we want people that are passionate about the place. Um, it, it, is, it is a wonderful place to work, and it is exactly what you think it would be when you drive on the grounds every day. And we just want people that are passionate about what they do so that that spills over and how they treat our patrons. The spring meet sort of acts as a, a gateway to the derby season mm -hmm. uh, in Kentucky. Uh, does, does that and the fact that uh, we're finally uh, breaking out of winter uh, make it extra special? It, it does, and you know, typically when we have uh, uh, particularly cold or wet winter. Uh, we see even upticks in our opening weekends because people are dying to get out of their house and, and come have a little bit of fun. <laughs> and uh, uh, this year again, any other changes to the scheduling on, on the No, the just the, the, the opening on that Thursday, April the 4th is the only change and we'll go through the 26th. So everything else will be the same once we once we get open, but the, but the opening day is one day earlier on that Thursday. What's your favorite thing about the spring meet? Honestly, uh, the, the quality of racing is so good, uh, and you see so many horses that then go on throughout their, especially their three-year-old campaign. Um, the Central Bank Ashland Stakes and the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes are such good races, and you see horses from both of those races go on uh, for their three and four and five-year-old campaigns. That it's, it's fun to see those horses that have raced with us then go on and, and see the level of success they have. I mean, it's a big deal for many to get a horse uh, to, to run at Keeneland then if you get beyond on that absolutely right absolutely it's it's a it is a very big deal and I think sometimes uh, we lose sight of how important it is for the horsemen and for the people that are involved in this sport uh, to have a, a winner at Keeneland uh, but then continued success is a major thing all right well there's some policies in Frankfurt that uh, we want to talk about a little sure. bit here and uh, we'll do that in just a moment we're with Vince Gabbard from Keeneland on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers a little bit later on our chief meteorologist Chris Bailey will talk about all this wet weather uh, when do we break out of it and severe weather season starts later this week we're back in a moment Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. We're uh, spending this uh, wintry weekend as far as the, the colder air that's now moving in and the uh, flooding situation that we have across Kentucky. Talking about Keeneland and the spring meet, that's a little more uh, encouraging and it'll be here before you know it. Vince Gabbard is here. He is the uh, vice president and the COO out at Keeneland. All right, obviously uh, you keep your eyes very closely affixed on Frankfurt and when they're in session, uh, who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. So there's, uh, there are lots of things going on and things that uh, could affect Kentucky's uh, signature industries. Sports betting mm -hmm. is being debated right now. Uh, what questions and concerns uh, do you have in the horse industry? Well, you know, we we work very closely uh, and and appreciate the work of Representative Adam Koenig uh, from up in northern Kentucky, who's who's filed the bill, and he has uh, been very open to input from us and and taking the best of what we've seen in other states. There's been about eight states that have already approved uh, sports wagering since the repeal of PASPA uh, this past year, and so we've been working very closely to try to make sure that uh, not only we're protected, but we have the opportunity to to have that product and to grow the product and to put those revenues back into our business. So what is it that you're watching with this uh, with this sports betting? Well, right now, uh, the way that it's structured, it is available at racetracks only and plus professional sports venues, and which would apply to like the Kentucky Speedway that hosts a, a major NASCAR event. Uh, the ability for people to go sign up at the brick and mortar location at the racetrack itself, uh, but also mobile wagering as well. So you could go and sign up, create your account, uh, and then be able to wager from your home. Uh, you could not wager out of state, but could wager 
major uh, from your home as long as you were in the state uh, as well. So we're watching it. Uh, we've got some uh, incentive monies that are built into it, into the tax rate for our th Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund and the Standard Bread Development Funds. Uh, so from our standpoint, the way that we try to structure all of our revenues going back into purses or back into what we do from a community standpoint, that's our, that's our paramount concern, just making sure that that is available and for us to be able to do that. Is there generally a, a belief that there are just so many gambling dollars available out there? Yeah. And uh, it, There is, and I think this is the, the difference in the tone, um, just being over there a couple of days and talking. I think most people believe that, that sports wagering is occurring by a lot of people already illegally. Uh, there's a lot of numbers being bandied about about what that market is uh, from a national standpoint. So uh, the, the acceptance of it is a little bit different than what we've seen from other efforts in the past. Uh, and there's no reason why, if it's already going on illegally, why we shouldn't capture some of that market and use some of those revenue dollars, the way that the bill's structured, that all of the, the net revenues to the state would go to support the pension fund uh, and shore up some of those shortfalls. So we feel like that it makes sense from that standpoint take something that's already being done and move those tax dollars. It, it might be surprising to some, the, the projected revenues is just like $20 million. It, it could be more uh, if other states around us fail right. to approve it, but it looks like a lot of them are uh, moving in that direction. Is that surprising uh, to you that it, it would be? No, you know, just because of the, I think that all the estimates have been very conservative in what they've done. And honestly, $20 million is still quite a bit of money. It's, it doesn't, it's not a panacea. It's not going to solve every problem that the, that the Commonwealth has uh, or fix every budgetary crisis we have. Uh, but $20 million is a nice start uh, to help ensure up some of the shortfalls. So you're very concerned that this proposal uh, does include, uh, if it were to get through and it were to be signed, it were to become mm -hmm. law, that it includes a provision where uh, people would even really have to come in in some way, uh, come to the horse track yeah. to, to even download the app, right, that, to be able to do this. That's right. And, that, and that's customary with most states to, to be able to go and, and at least at an initial sign up to be able to go to the brick and mortar location to be able to create that account. Uh, it just helps with transparency and make sure that you have all the information that you need, that people are, are doing what they say they're doing, and then you can monitor and control it from that standpoint. Some candidates for governor are uh, openly for mm -hmm. casinos as well, which would be another uh, added uh, uh, potential revenue stream to the state, but also uh, more mm -hmm. of the uh, gambling dollars could potentially go there. Is that another uh, area in which places like Keeneland have some uh, concerns? Uh, you know, I think that we probably, um, I don't know, the time has passed us on the casino issue, uh, but I don't, I don't see any sentiment or hear any sentiment uh, in the legislature for wanting to go uh, any farther at this point for the sports wagering. Uh, we're keeping an eye on it just to make sure that we're protected and that our business is protected from the wagering dollar standpoint, but I don't see a whole lot of sentiment right now for full-fledged casinos. You were talking with us earlier about how, uh, you know, there, when there is racing going on at other sites, there can be uh, wagering, yeah. there can be also be uh, the, the, the simulcasting and so forth. How much cooperation, uh, seen and unseen, is there uh, between Keeneland and Churchill Downs mm -hmm. and maybe even Saratoga and some of the other uh, race places around the country? There, there is a lot of coordination uh, from things as, as simple as post times to make sure that we're not running on top of each other uh, and races going off at the same time. Betters, uh, especially the more seasoned betters, like uh, minutes in between, you know, seven or eight minutes in between races so they can get their bets together and understand what they're doing. And, and there's a lot of coordination that goes around, <clears throat> especially on schedule and the types of races that we're offering as well, so that we're, you know, 
hitting that schedule to make sure that you know horses like to run every three or four weeks so uh, at Keeneland for example we'll run a, a certain type of race and then Churchill will will fold in three or four weeks later with the same type of race so that they pick up those same level of horses. What issues uh, <coughs> do you feel that the, the horse racing industry is, is facing right now? A few years ago there were grave concerns mm -hmm. about its very survival yeah. and uh, sort of like the bourbon business uh, things have certainly been taking off uh, in recent years. Uh, yeah. Are things healthy again? They are and, and you know one of the things that we're seeing um, in the market downturns that we've experienced over the last 10 years, um, the the higher end has been very successful. So uh, places that like us in Saratoga and Del Mar have, have been fortunate uh, to be able to kind of ride those waves and, and start to see upticks in the wagering dollars as well. Uh, the, the higher caliber of horses uh, that are coming through our sales ring and how that benefits our industry from the sales standpoint uh, has been a big deal as well. Once referred to as the <coughs> sport of kings, but yeah. uh, what you've really had in recent years is uh, seeing the tracks reach out uh, to become a sort of an uh, everybody location. Absolutely, absolutely. And partnerships, um, in my time, I've been been there almost 10 years now at Keeneland, and in my time it's amazing the amount of partnerships that have come out. So you'll see a horse that has 40 or 50 people uh, that own a single horse and own a piece of it, and the guy that owns, uh, you know, a hundredth of that horse is just as excited as the guy that owns all of it. <laughs> you know, that's really interesting. I hear about that a lot. But yeah. You, you know, do they get a certificate, or how do, how do they, Generally, know? Generally, they just, they, they get all the updates from the trainer, so they get copied on the emails when the horse works or they get, they get in the wind photo if the horse makes it to the winter circle. Well, uh, let, let's uh, do one more time. The, the, uh, the spring meet is, will start earlier this year on a Thursday. Yes, sir, Thursday, and, April the 4th, and go through the 26th. And uh, folks, if they want to apply for jobs, they can do that uh, beginning... Uh, February 25th. Our yeah. hiring center opens on the 25th. Okay, and then the Railbird Festival. We'll, we'll know more in March, but uh, is there any such thing as a sellout for something like that? I mean, <laughs> well, I, we, we, we put a cap on tickets on what we think we can we can handle but we're expecting anywhere from 10 to 15,000 people each of the two days what are the considerations for that do you uh, do, Tra do you have that we haven't thought about yeah mostly traffic and just making sure that we're getting people in and out and we're not tying up uh, you know the the time frame that we're doing it make sure we're not tying up Versailles Road and Man of War and, and all of our intersections and we've got a great working relationship with Lexington Police and and they're they are great partners in helping us with traffic planning uh, similar to what we did with Breeders Cup in 2015 uh, just to make sure that people have a great experience and get in and out August 11 and 12 right? 10, 10, and 11. 10, 10 and 11 August yes, 10th and 11th for the Railbird Festival Vince, thanks for coming, as always. Thanks, Appreciate it very much. Stay with us now. WKYT's Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey will be with us in a moment. We'll talk about all of this rain and the severe weather season to come. We're back in a moment. And welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. There are major flooding issues across Kentucky right now. Roads flooded out, rock slides, other issues. It's going to be a tough cleanup that could be expensive and lengthy. And while we're all dealing with the February flooding, we'll be rolling into the March time period when it's severe weather uh, beginning uh, on Friday mm -hmm. of this week. So Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey is with me uh, here now. I'm in. Uh, I'm actually with him. Over yeah, here in yeah. First in alert weather center. Now, right? I'm in your, on your uh, turf here. <laughs> Uh, but here, Chris, you know, obviously the, yeah. the rain of this weekend, the rain that we had earlier than that, all mm -hmm. of that is adding up, and that doesn't go away quickly. I mean, this we could yeah. be talking about crests early sure. in the week, right? Yeah, and the thing is, you know, today we're moving into a drier pattern, but the yeah. damage has been done over the past several days to where we've put several inches of water back into our creeks and streams. You've got those rivers, as you know, growing up along the Cumberland River, yeah. how long it takes 
before it can recede. And the Cumberland's still going to be coming up over the next day or so. So the rivers, even though we're in a drier pattern, Bill, those rivers are going to continue to rise for a few more days before cresting. You're talking about the Cumberland River, the Kentucky River, the Licking River, uh, Elkhorn uh, Creek. The Ohio River is going to mm -hmm. see more rises as well over the next couple of days. So even though it is dry now, you're going to have a lot of those tributaries that feed into those rivers that are still backed up. So if there has been rain upstream from where you are, yeah. the worst could be yet to come. Exactly right. And that, that's what will happen with that crest. That crest is going to make its way downstream slowly but surely. Let's say the headwaters of the Cumberland River picked up several inches of rain over the past few days. So downstream, you know, it could take a couple or three days in some cases before those highest waters reach where you are and that will continue to impact. Now, if there's a little silver lining with river flooding as opposed to flash flooding, river flooding is a little slower process mm -hmm. in a lot of cases where you can see it yeah. coming, you know it's coming as opposed to the flash flooding that we've seen recently. You've put together some uh, flood mm -hmm. safety tips yeah. for those who could be continuing to be in harm's way. And that's the one thing most folks don't uh, understand understand that flooding kills more people than tornadoes on average and not just in Kentucky, not just in the United States, but across the globe too. Obviously goes without saying, Bill, we go to higher ground, but what a lot of, where a lot of those flash flood deaths and flood deaths occur, what happens? People try to drive through a flooded roadway. We mm -hmm. can tell them over and over and over, turn around, don't drown. And we're still going to see, unfortunately, people that try to make their way through uh, flooded roads. But it only takes a foot of water to get a vehicle to float. Now, amazing? up to two feet of rushing water can just take a car, even as big as an SUV, down the river or down the stream. And unfortunately, that's where most of our flood deaths occur inside of cars, people that are trapped and they get swept away and obviously never try to drive around a barricade. Uh, they're there for a reason. When you look at the effects of uh, flooding mm -hmm. and the, the, the mudslides, the rock yeah. slides, the roads washed out, the bridges that are damaged, all of this, this could be an expensive and, uh, no and, and long-term cleanup. No doubt, because the, the rock slides and mudslides we've been seeing around here of late, even by Kentucky standards, those are pretty extreme. We've seen a lot yeah. of them. I mean, we're seeing sinkholes developing in Pulaski right. County. Right. We don't see sinkholes in Kentucky. You think of that in Florida, right? You don't think so much in Kentucky, but that's an indication of how wet it has been for the past couple of years. And this February bill is already on pace with last year's record-setting February in terms of rainfall. Let's talk about that. I mean, what a strange winter this yeah. has been to be so wet. Mm -hmm. And as you said, coming on top of uh, this wet weather that we had last year, we, we had more rain than yeah. a rainforest, yeah. you, right? You, we did. And you look at, at 2018 in Lexington. Let's say you rank number one wettest year was last year mm -hmm. to number 10. The distance between last year and number two was almost six inches. The distance between number two and number 10 is only five inches. That's how crazy wet last year was, that it just surpassed everything we'd seen before and not even by just a little bit, not a razor thin margin. I mean, it blew it away by almost six inches of yeah, rain. Amazing. And we're on pace to, to break that record this year. Now it's early, obviously, it's only February. But still, we're on that record-setting pace. Once we get through this uh, acute situation with the flooding right yeah. now, by the end of this week, we're into severe weather. Season. We are March 1st through March 7th, severe weather uh, preparedness week here in Kentucky. And that is when, you know, if, if for us, we got to think way back to when we had those tornado drills in school. That's when those drills typically will start to take place. Around Kentucky, you can get severe weather at any time of the year, though. But it's just that late February, early March time frame, we start to really drive home. Hey, severe weather season is coming. 
here are things that you need to know. And March 1st, uh, just around the corner, that's when we're going to start severe weather preparedness week. And then from there, uh, that following Wednesday will be when the kids at 10 07, not this coming Wednesday, but a week from this Wednesday when they're going through their tornado safety drills at school. March 2nd, 2012, still the standard bearer yeah. around here in modern times, obviously uh, along with uh, April 3rd and 4th of 1974. But severe weather can occur at any time of the year. This is just the time of year when we're saying, you know what? Make Start a plan. thinking about it. Get well, the preparedness ready. And some proof of that is the fact that uh, often that uh, that tornado drill has had to be postponed or moved because there was tough weather that morning. Mm -hmm. you know? And you look back at, at March 2nd. Uh, 2012, the tornado safety uh, severe weather preparedness week that year was actually in the middle of March. It was after yeah, all that right. when you had a couple of schools that were destroyed. Uh, a couple years ago, we had that on March 1st, you had that 100 mile an hour straight line wind that caused all the damage in Estill County. And that yep. was in March. We've had severe weather and, and uh, tornadoes in the month of February. We just had some severe weather on Saturday into much of our region, too. So for those who are fortunate enough to be having an, an easy Sunday morning and not dealing with the, the flooding right now, what would you uh, uh, tell them to be thinking about right now mm -hmm. uh, as we get ready for severe weather it's season? It's all about having that plan ready. I know schools go through it. They have their safety plans. Why shouldn't you at home? You should have a safety plan with the family, the kids, have them uh, run a little drill so they know exactly yeah. what to do. So when we're interrupting your programming to tell you some of these uh, safety rules, uh, we're doing it for a reason because not many people at home, Bill, have their own safety plans at home. And unfortunately, the chances are you're going to be at home when severe weather hits because that's where we spend most of our time, obviously. Mobile homes, unfortunately, uh, you know, those are the first things to go because they're not as sturdy as, let's say, a brick structure, a concrete structure, or what have you. Uh, so we want to evacuate those. And above all else, the thing that I preach to the kiddos when we're at schools and whatever else, and even on air, you'll hear me talk about putting on a helmet or something. And then I, the cool thing about that is now, you know, I'm preaching protect your head. But during severe weather, when I'm on with tornado warnings. Now on Twitter, I'm getting pictures of families with their kids with helmets on mm -hmm. and hard hats on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're making that point. We're driving it home and we're getting them that's to understand. Important. That's the important yeah. thing. When it's all boiled down to its essence, and I'm kind of simple about things like ah, this, but, yeah, yeah. but uh, really, I mean, you're having the cold air of winter battling yeah, the summer exactly. to come sort it, of this time of year. Exactly right. right. Yeah. And if you look back at last year, we had the wettest February ever, one of the warmest Februaries on record kind of similar to this February. Yeah. Then March hit, it turned really cold, and we had historic snows. We had an 11-inch snowstorm in Lexington in six hours. Right. The middle of last March on a Sunday night, if you remember. And I er do. And <laughs> earlier that day, the temperature had been in the 50s. Yeah. So that's how quickly things can change around here. And you can get uh, that battle of the seasons all the way deep into spring. And it is that battle that causes our severe weather events, like what we just went through this weekend. Had a cold front, now we're gonna turn it cold for a little while. We are long overdue for a significant severe weather event in the spring. It's been way too quiet in the springs around here of yep. late. I mean, we have, our severe weather season really shut down in the spring with that March 2nd event of 2012. We've had severe weather, but it hasn't been when you expect it. May severe weather events around here used to be huge. 
We haven't had many. Yeah. Well, we'd urge everybody to absolutely uh, to certainly be prepared uh, mm -hmm. for these uh, no weeks doubt. and months That's ahead. Right. Chris, thank you You're so back. much, and I know what a busy uh, week and weekend it's been for you. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. I'll see you bright and early this week, starting with WKYT this morning at 4:30 a.m. You start on the air at 4 p.m. But this guy never sleeps. In reality. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us, everybody. Make it a good week ahead.